My name is Yunyue Elita Lee, and my work seeks to understand the structure and the properties of the subsurface, the Earth beneath our feet, and how it dynamically responds to the natural and human activities. Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off In-Depth Conversations in Applied Geophysics. In this episode, Elita Lee discusses her upcoming South and East Asia honorary lecture, Listening to Singapore, Harvesting Urban Noise for Space, Water, and Hazard Mitigation. In this conversation, Elita shares how she designed novel signal processing techniques that turn urban hum into rich information about the urban system, both above and below the surface. She also highlights newly developed fiber sensing technology using existing dark fiber infrastructure that has the potential to enable a million sensor system underneath each major city around the globe. Alita also outlines what public officials, citizens, and engineers should understand about geophysics to support sustainable practices and growth in urban environments. This episode is full of communication tips and scientific insights to improve life in our cities. Visit seg.org slash podcast to register for Elita's course taking place on April 20th. And now, my conversation with Alita Lee. We're speaking today on your honorary lecture that's upcoming for the SEG, and it's called Listening to Singapore, Harvesting Urban Noise for Space, Water, and Hazard Mitigation. What is the goal of your lecture? Yeah, so this lecture presents a few case studies where uh, passive seismic methods, that means we are just listening to the vibrations of the urban space. Um, These methods are used to characterize the subsurface, the very busy underground space in this very dense urban environment. So the goal is really to share with the audience and the students that there are very rich information hidden in this conventionally unwanted noise and how this information can help us uh, solve the most pressing challenges in cities regarding its various resources and hazards. Mm. What are a few of the challenges of utilizing conventional geophysics in an urban environment? Yeah, the challenges for conventional geophysical methods are mostly related to the noisy urban environment. So on one hand, uh, urban environment is extremely vibrant, right? You have all these activities, infrastructures already built in, and these activities interfere with all conventional geophysical methods. For example, one of the very big challenge is for GPR, ground penetrating radar, to work properly in the urban environment because we have the power lines, we have uh, the buildings and bridges, you know, these structures interact with the electromagnetic wave that we use to probe the earth. And it gives us a lot of force information that is not really coming from the subsurface, but really coming from the urban environment. Environment. So seismic data also are interfered by uh, noise in urban environment. For example, traffic noise or construction uh, activities that would generate a lot of vibration as well. Um, so these noise and interference from the urban environment and the anthropogenic activities make the geophysical signal processing extremely challenging. 
So teasing out the signal from the noise is, is very, very difficult. And also, uh, on the other hand, uh, a highly developed urban space like Singapore often have very limited scope of data acquisition um, because everywhere is built up already. And when we think about deploying our equipment, we cannot think of it as if we are uh, in a free open area, um, for example, on the ocean surface or in the desert or uh, in the outdoor field environment that mostly most uh, seismic acquisition were performed. So inevitably, we will have to meet the challenges uh, with missing data, irregularly sampled data, and data that are not sampled sufficiently in space. So uh, I think the challenges are really uh, intense and also the amount of energy and cost it's needed in order to perform conventional geophysical methods in urban environment are humongous as well because uh, when you interfere with urban activities, the cost is not just the acquisition itself, but also you may have to pause the normal ur urban activity and that is really costly as well. I, I can imagine you laid out very concisely there the different challenges that they face. And, you know, speaking of kind of equipment and, and technology, you know, when I kind of think of geophysics, sometimes I think of, you know, a, a giant hammer hitting the ground to, to get waves. And that's obviously not happening uh, more than likely in an urban environment. So what, what should the public be aware of and know about passive sensing? Yeah, that's a very uh, good description that you put it out there, because when we think about seismic acquisition, we think of very strong sources um, that are either like strong hammers or uh, even earlier we used explosives or air guns, right, in, in the ocean. Um, but the public should know that seismic methods can be used when the source is very, very small, very minute. Say, for example, we learn about the information of the subsurface from um, the vibration generated by cars and by trucks and uh, buses. And we even learn about uh, the urban activities and the subsurface from your footsteps. So, so the public should really know uh, seismic doesn't have to involve strong sources, and there is a lot of information, a lot of value in the constant background vibration noise out there. So none of, none of us really like the noise from the cars, from the trains, or the constructions and so on, but they can be useful. What are some of the advantages of the novel signal processing techniques that you yourself have developed? Yeah, so the advantage is really going against to, to tackle the challenges in the urban space. So the, the methods we de developed are really, really efficient in acquisition time. So when we go out for passive seismic acquisition, um, the receivers are laid out very quickly and we only have to listen for half an hour or up to a few hours and uh, we will do that during rush hour because uh, you know the traffic flow would be the strongest and uh, and we will get the best signal to noise ratio so the in terms of 
uh, acquisition efficiency, it is really largely improved. And then because we are doing this in a passive way, we are not injecting enormous source in the uh, subsurface. The energy cost is very low. And uh, we usually deploy these sensors in places that is out of uh, the way for urban activities. So we do not stop urban activity at all. Uh, and we do not interfere with normal urban activities. So that is uh, another pro. And uh, in terms of signal processing, we have developed uh, software packages and methods that runs really quickly and that can almost give us a result uh, as soon as we have already acquired the data. So these very fast feedback would also help us understand the changing of the subsurface in uh, almost real time. I think one of the cool things with working in geophysics in the urban environment is kind of utilizing other things that are that are already there to serve other purposes. So I'm kind of thinking here of the of fiber, you know, so how might the development of, of this dark fiber infrastructure going through cities might make something like passive sensing more viable? Yeah, this is a very exciting uh, forefront of research and development for uh, geophysical sensing. So fibers are are there not for the reasons to, to do sensing, they are there for communication purposes, right? But when the contractors or when the government agencies put fibers for communication, they usually put additional fibers there for backup purposes. And these fibers are called dark fibers. And they are dark because there's no light traveling in it uh, as we speak, uh, because they are for backup purposes. Then what we can do is we can plug these dark fibers into our equipment, specialized equipment called interrogator. Then we can turn these existing fiber infrastructure into thousands or tens of thousands of sensors along the fiber cable. So this really removed the need of us going out and deploying our geophysical sensors or our seismometers, our geophones out there. And the infrastructure is already there. It's coupled with the subsurface, but it listens both to the above surface activity and sub subsurface activity. So this really opens the door for uh, continuous monitoring of the subsurface at uh, extremely high spatial density, because you imagine the, the fiber is continuing going through the subsurface of the urban environment, then we can monitor or we can listen to everywhere uh, that is along the fiber. So the amount of data that's gonna generate is humongous and the, the amount of information that we are hoping to mine out of this huge data set is going to be eye-opening. Hmm. You know, in your experience, what is the hardest thing for scientists to communicate to the public about urban planning? Yeah, so I worked, uh, when I was in Singapore, I worked in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering. And one thing I observed uh, that is, very different between geophysicists and an engineer is that um, the engineers would like direct measurements. 
thinks that they would uh, go there and they would be able to measure right away on the spot. Whereas as geophysicists, we are uh, often working with data that needs a lot of processing, a lot of interpretation. Uh, and in the end, because of the measurement is indirect, we have to work with a lot of uncertainties, uh, not only in the measured data, but also in the interpretation of the data itself. So these different level of comfortable, comfortable level towards uncertainty has been a great challenge between you know, the communication of engineers and, and geophysicists. But I think one way to overcome that is really to work with the engineers because when they do direct measurements, say borehole into the subsurface, they cannot do it everywhere along the whole path that they are interested in. So uh, we can work with their direct measurements at sparse locations and fill in the information in between of these boreholes using geophysical methods and that are well calibrated and that the uncertainty are well uh, quantified, then these collaboration will make them more open to geophysical methods and more open to collaboration. You know, that's, that's a great lead into the, to this next question, you know, thinking about the uncertainty and the interpretation that geophysicists have to deal with. How how could a geophysicist better approach communicating their work to the public officials and the public at large, you know, trying to get them to understand that you're not working in absolutes here? Yeah, so we have uh, been doing a lot of work in that uh, angle. Before pandemic, we hope we held annual workshops uh, where we would invite uh, urban planners and engineers to these workshops and we will present our work hopefully in a way that is more approachable for them to understand. And because we can gather in the same place, uh, when the engineers have questions, they could ask those questions right away uh, in front of us. So these sort of face-to-face uh, -face interactions were really, really helpful to understand each other. But when COVID hit us in you know, 2020, we could not hold these in-person workshops anymore. Um, so the group actually turned to uh, the resort of making videos uh, of our own research. So what we have produced is a YouTube channel that is hosting all the research videos that we have done. You know, each student and faculty member will produce one video summarizing uh, one aspect of their research in that year. So we, in, in doing or making these videos, we are trying to break down the science into the you know, bite size so that the public can understand at least a little bit from watching these videos. And we really improve the approach much better by explaining these research or showing these videos to our families and friends who are not necessarily geophysicists or not necessarily in science and technology. So if they can understand one thing or two from these videos, I think we are uh, getting uh, a good start in terms of public communication. So we've ha we have been doing this for the past two years. We have 
uh, we had a video series in 2020. Now in 2021, uh, if you check the videos, you will see that the videos are much better improved compared to previous years. <laughs> and we will continue to do that this year as well. So every May, that's our video production, production period. Um, so I hope if you go on the website, uh, our website, you will find the YouTube channel and also leave your feedbacks and comments to these videos. We will improve from there. We will link to, to that those videos uh, in, in the show notes to this episode. And thanks for doing those videos. I think, you know, some of the solutions people have found to work during this time is, I think, going to have some long term positive gains uh, you know, for the public and the community at large. So that's great that you're doing that. And and kind of turning to the the third prong here, you know, of communication, what should city planners know about geophysics? Yeah, I think one of the biggest chunk of thought is that uh, they should know geophysics as tools that are uh, available out there. Um, so when they find challenges in uh, managing their spaces or in understanding the hidden aspects of urban environment, they should or they could come to us and discuss these questions with us. And we have a whole suite of tools in the toolbox that has been developed over, you know, the past century for oil and gas industry. And we uh, in a lot of times, we can use or adapt these tools for urban spaces. And another thing I think the uh, urban planners should try to train themselves to be <laughs> better with is to live with uncertainties or with the quantifiable amount of uncertainties. So if they can keep these two uh, information in mind, you know, there are tools, but these tools have uncertainties that can be calibrated, then uh, I think that will be a big gain for the urban planners as well. Yeah, I, I, that is such a great, a great tip. I think uh, we, we let, maybe, maybe COVID has taught us all that uncertainty exists and it's inevitable and, and they'll be more open to that in, in other ways. Yeah, hopefully. Could you could you uh, could you explain to us what is the geo the sustainability geophysics project? Yeah, of course, I'd love to. So this program uh, is the, I guess the the brand name of the research program that uh, I have developed in Singapore with uh, collaborations uh, with Professor Arthur Chang and many other professors in the same department. So this is a holistic research program in geophysics that covers geophysical research around the whole energy cycle, uh, starting from energy recovery and production. So that is the common, you know, SEG core sort of business in terms of exploration seismology. Um, but then it goes on to energy utilization and monitoring. Um, that is the part that what we are doing in the urban space. And then it goes on to waste management and recycle, and finally to carbon sequestration. So what we have found out is that geophysics can be applied around a whole energy cycle, and we can help in making every step around this cycle more efficient, 
better optimized. And I think only by doing this, sustainability can be achieved because we cannot take out any single step around this cycle in order for the society to run as smoothly as today or even better in the future. That makes a lot of sense there. You know, this is a, a difficult question you mentioned to me before before we, we hit record here. But what is a, a question you hope the attendees will ask themselves after listening to your talk? Yeah, I think the attendees may not have realized that how much they have contributed to research. <laughs> um, so I think uh, because of the development of machine learning and, you know, maybe the social network that uh, people have started to realize their behavior and their data in terms of everyday uh, interaction has been the subject of research and ha- has a lot of tremendous amount of information. What I'm uh, hoping the audience to think about is there may be other activities like walking on the streets or driving their cars from different places are also contributing to scientific research uh, products like what we are doing here. And I also invite the attendees to think about what they can do in order to contribute to the sustainability of the society. So on one hand, we are very happy to harvest the traffic noise, but on the other hand, if we can do you know, public transportation or if we can reduce the congestion on the road, then that is really much better goal than you know, everyone driving their own cars. That's a that's kind of a cool thought to think by simply existing in our urban space, you're helping, <laughs> helping scientific research. That's pretty cool. Uh, lastly here, what principal teaching or point of view has helped you succeed in your field? Yeah, it's, uh, I put a lot of thoughts in this. And uh, I think if I have to pick one, it would be something that m- my mom used to tell me a lot. He, she would say, there is at least one thing that you can learn from anybody under any circumstance. So I think that's really, I I think about this a lot in the back of my mind, uh, in my interactions and in my learning. That is really to say there are a lot out there. So no matter, even if the, the communication can be challenging, can be difficult, but there's always something that I can learn from this experience. And that is why it also goes to, you know, the listening aspect. I feel a lot of the times by listening to other people or by listening to the environment, by not injecting myself into, you know, the existing system, I can already learn a lot. And oftentimes it's something new that I didn't know before. So keeping this open mind and keeping my my ears open in particular and, and trying to understand what is out there. I think that is really, that has been really helpful for me. It's kind of lovely to think of your mom sharing that advice to you. And, and now your career is listening uh, to the earth as well. So I, you, you have continued that listening. Well, thank you, Alita, for this conversation. We will link uh, to the videos that you mentioned as well as to be able to register for this upcoming talk. And uh, I hope it goes well for you in this lecture. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for、uh, giving me this opportunity to share with the audience in a different form. SEG produces Seismic Sound Off to benefit its members, the scientific community, and inform the public on the value of geophysics. To show your support for this show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Simply go to Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on your phone. It takes less than five seconds to leave a five-star rating, and is the number one action you can take to show your appreciation for this free resource. And follow the podcast while you are on the app to be notified when each new episode releases. Original music created by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary at Fifty One Features. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.